And we read in John 1, 1 to 5, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You may be seated. Actually, how about you guys stand up? It's Christmas morning. Stand up. Let's take like a minute and just say hi to somebody. Don't feel like you have to hug or whatever, but just say hi. It's Christmas. This is great. This is great. This is great. Man, what a privilege. What a privilege to be able to spend Christmas morning together on this Lord's Day and celebrate our Lord together. Uh, If you would take your Bible and open up to Matthew, the book of Matthew, we've been working through uh, Matthew chapter 1, and today we're going to step into Matthew chapter 2. And read verses 1 through 12 together this morning. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can follow along. uh, Or there's also one in the back uh, on the rack there. Uh, It's yours to have if you need one. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king... Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, One of the things I've noticed this year working through different uh, readings about the Christmas narrative is how much the idea of interruption plays a role in the story. You know, Mary's life was totally interrupted. Joseph's life was totally interrupted. Uh, We've been in Matthew this year. We didn't really work through the Luke section, but in Luke, there's those shepherds that are out in the fields. And I mean, they just get totally interrupted by a bunch of angels in the middle of the night. An interruption is something that changes the subject. An interruption is something that pushes its way forward, and, and in a way it grabs your attention so that you have, to, you have to see it, you have to focus on it. And the deal is interruptions can be both good things and they can be bad things. Uh, for example, we all know what it's like when you're in the middle of like a great story, you've got a group of people around you, you're telling the story that you've been wanting to tell, and then all of a sudden something else happens on the other, other side of the room and everybody turns and looks the other way and you have this awkward moment where you have to decide, am I going to try to keep telling this story or I'm just, am I just going to let this thing go? Because everybody else says, I've totally lost their attention. Right? Sometimes interruptions are frustrating. They're annoying. We don't like to be cut off. But sometimes interruptions are really good things. Uh, for example, a few years ago, Allie and I were out to dinner. And... Uh, we got in a little argument. I don't know why that happens to happen to us when we go on a date. I don't know. It just happens sometimes. But we get in a little argument, and apparently it was like obvious enough that other people around us knew what was going on. And just about the time when we like totally ruined our evening, our waiter came over and put the biggest piece of tiramisu I have ever seen in my life right down in front of us and said, this is on the house. <laughs> that interruption saved our evening. It was exactly what we needed to come in and change the subject so that we could laugh at ourselves and enjoy something sweet. Sometimes changing the subject is annoying, it's frustrating, but sometimes changing the subject is exactly what we need. Guys, the, the Christmas story is the story of the greatest interruption that has ever happened in the history of the world. It is absolutely undeniable that God's eternal Son, assuming flesh and being born into this world, is the greatest event that has changed the course of history more than anything else. The world has never been the same since, and it will never be the same after, because our great God and King has come into this world, broken in through this world. So here's the question we have to ask on this Christmas morning. Will we see the interruption of Jesus as an intruding interruption? Or will we receive Jesus as a welcome interruption? Will Jesus interrupting our lives be annoying, frustrating, something that we push against? Or will Jesus interrupting our lives lead us to fall on our faces and worship him? So four things about Jesus on this Christmas morning. First, Christ is a king who welcomes everyone. Christ is a king who welcomes everyone. Uh, Verses 1 and 2, let's read them again. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, 
Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, we would expect that certain Jews would, would maybe want to come see the birth of Jesus. But what we wouldn't expect is that these men who are designated as from the east would be making this long journey to come and find Jesus to worship him. And we know that Matthew wants us to interrupt our normal way of thinking because in verse 1, he uses the word behold. Uh, behold means to look, gaze. It means pay attention. It means, hey, everybody, you don't want to miss this. Uh, behold is like this. When you're riding in the car and you're sort of in the middle of a story and all of a sudden somebody says, oh my goodness, look at that. And you're, 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 your attention totally turns. And this is how you know you've beheld. When you turn back and you say, now, what were we talking about? That is how Matthew wants us to, to see what's happening here. That people from a faraway place, from a totally different background, with totally different culture, with totally different upbringing, with a totally different view of the world, maybe even with different uh, original beliefs, they have made their way to find Jesus. They have come to worship the king of the Jews, the king of Israel. And Matthew wants to say, hey guys, you need to see this is a big deal. So, so what is the big deal? This is the big deal. Jesus is a king who welcomes everyone. All peoples are welcomed into his kingdom. Uh, this means that Jesus is the king of both people with dark skin and people with light skin. Jesus is the king of people who speak English and the king of people who speak Spanish. Jesus is the king of people who have lots and lots of money. And Jesus is the king who have absolutely nothing. Jesus is a king who welcomes everyone. And that means this morning it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. You are welcome into the kingdom of this king. So for some people... The interruption into history, that is Jesus Christ, is a most welcome interruption, uh, but that's not true for everyone. And so second this morning, Christ is a king who threatens the proud. Christ is a king who threatens the proud. Verses 3 and 4 say, When Herod heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So we find out at this time there was a king who was a king over this area of, of Israel. Uh, but this is the thing. Herod was not himself a Jew. Uh, but we can see why Herod would have been a little bit troubled by the news of another king being born. Right? These guys didn't show up to Herod and say, has a king been born? No, no, no. They, they show up to, to Herod and say, hey, where is the king? And they're not talking about Herod. They've come to worship someone, and it's not Herod who they've come to worship. And so the reason Herod is troubled is because he's a king, and now there's another king in town. And when another king shows up, that means there is a uh, affront to his power, his control, his authority. And now there's going to be a conflict. And so because of Herod's position in life, rather than seeing Jesus as a welcome interruption... He sees Jesus as an intruding interruption. And really, this is always true with Jesus. Jesus is a king. 
Kings have power. Kings have authority. Kings have dominion. And that means that for you and me, Jesus might actually be a threat to us. That if we like the status quo, that if we like being in control of our lives, that if we like being in charge, then Jesus is a threat to the proud. Uh, One of our uh, family all-time favorite Christmas movies is The Preacher's Wife. I don't know if you've seen it, Denzel Washington, uh, Whitney Houston. I mean, come on, if you've never seen it, you know exactly what you're doing this afternoon, all right? The Preacher's Wife, uh, one of my favorite scenes, uh, an angel played by Denzel Washington, he shows up in this preacher's life, and he goes into his office, and he bumps into the secretary, and the secretary says, excuse me, do you have an appointment? And he says, well, no, not exactly. I've been sent here to help the reverend, uh, sort of like an assistant. And she says, an assistant? I didn't hear anything about an assistant. Assistant. And then her eyes just get really wide like this, and she says, oh, my Lord, am I getting fired? And then the rest of the scene plays out where she basically freaks out because now she's out of a job. She realized that if an assistant has showed up, then it means that she doesn't have a job anymore. She doesn't have anything to do anymore. And guys, Herod was actually interpreting this situation precisely. That if a new king was in town, then that meant he could not be king any longer. And here this morning, what you and I have to come face to face with is this. If this king we've been singing about, the king of Israel, who's been born into the world, has arrived, it means that you and I are getting fired. You and I are being fired from the position of Lord of our lives. You and I are being fired, and guess what? We need to be fired. We aren't good at life. When we're in charge... We make a mess of things. We need Jesus to be our king. We need him to come in and take over for us because we don't know what we're doing. Uh, This morning, I know we have some kids and some young people in the room. I just want to speak directly to you this morning. Uh, I just want to encourage you, I want to plead with you to follow Jesus, to commit to following Jesus when you're young. Um, Here's what happens. When you're young, you think that life will actually get better for you as you get older. You think that when you get older, you'll finally get to do what you want to do and be who you want to be, and you'll have the freedom to live your life the way you want to. But what ends up happening is it gets harder and harder and harder to follow Jesus Because you actually start to believe the illusion that you are in control. You start to believe the illusion that you do have power. You start to believe the illusion that maybe you do do a good job running your life. And as you get older and older, instead of getting easier, your life actually gets harder. And so I would encourage you this morning, if you're here and you're young, commit today to follow Jesus. Because it will only get harder and harder to invite him to come and interrupt your life. And then for all of us today, uh, we all have to come to terms with the fact that we aren't good at running our lives. We need Jesus to come and fire us from the position 
of being in charge. We need Jesus to show up and be the Lord who we need, who actually knows how life really works. Uh, as we move into the new year, we're going to be jumping into the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is just a few chapters later in the book of Matthew. And we're going to slow way down and we're going to really work through the Sermon on the Mount between sort of the beginning of the year and, and Easter. And this is what's going to happen in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, as our king, he is going to teach us lots of really practical things about life, how to deal with anger, forgiveness, our marriages, uh, how, to, how to deal with uh, loving one another, and all sorts of really nitty-gritty practical things. But here is the thing that's going to happen over and over and over again. All the way through the Sermon on the Mount, our pride is going to be confronted. That all the way through, as we work through it, we are going to be tempted to treat Jesus like a buffet, where we take and sort of pick the pieces of the, what he has to say that we like, but we like are stand to the side of the things that we, we don't like. But here this morning on Christmas, we're singing about the king. We're saying that Jesus is a welcome interruption. We're saying we are so thankful that Jesus has come into the world. And so as he confronts our pride, the call on our lives will be again and again and again to submit to what he has to say, believing that even if we don't understand what Jesus is telling us, that he actually knows better than we do how life really works. All right, here's why we submit to Jesus. Third, this morning, Christ is a king who shepherds his people. Christ is a king who shepherds his people. Uh, Herod wants a little bit more information about who Jesus is. And so he actually starts with his own scribes and the, and the religious leaders of the day. He calls them in and he asks them some questions about this Christ, this Messiah. And this is what it says in verses 5 and 6. It says, They told him that, talking about where he would be born, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is why Christmas is a welcome interruption. Because into this weary world, God has sent us a king who is a shepherd, who is a good shepherd. Now I want you to imagine for a second being a child at an orphanage, parentless, you just don't quite have the love that you need. You don't quite have the specific nurture and care and patience from the parents in your life that you need. But then one day, these parents show up, loving, patient, kind, and they adopt you into their family. And yeah, maybe your life actually might have to get a little bit more disciplined. Maybe, yeah, maybe there is some tough love that comes, but now there's this tender love, this caring love, this precious love to care for you and to raise you and to nurture you. That is the kind of interruption that is a most welcome interruption. And that is what it is like for King Jesus to enter into this world as a shepherd, that you and I were lost you and I did not have the care that we needed. Why? Because we had stepped outside of God's good care. By our own foolishness, we had turned away from the God who was made to tenderly love us. But now a shepherd has come, and he has welcomed us in, and he wants to lead us and 
guide us and care for us. Here's a few things that we're celebrating this morning about the interruption of Jesus as our shepherd. I just want to share four things about Jesus as our shepherd. First is this. Our shepherd is both God and man. Our shepherd is both God and man. So on the one hand, the fact that Jesus is a one person who assumed a human nature means that he knows everything that we go through firsthand. He knows about our frailty. He knows about our temptations. He knows our weariness. He knows exactly where we are weak. And in this sense, Jesus is the best shepherd because in a very real sense, Jesus also became a sheep. This is how Hebrews says this in in Hebrews 2.11. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, so it's basically saying Jesus and his people, it says all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Eternal Son of God became everything it means to be a human being in such a full way that he would be able to call us his brothers. Outstanding. And so because of Christmas, God's son born to the world, Jesus knows, he knows all the ways that you and I are insecure because he has experienced everything that, it, that makes us unsafe. But on the other hand, this one person who assumed humanity also has the divine nature. This one person who is both understands our weariness, who felt our temptations in his divinity, he never sleeps. He never grows tired. Nothing ever, ever, ever overpowers him. And because he is eternal God of eternal God, moment by moment, he watches over and cares for his sheep. As we celebrated last night, our shepherd is God with us. A second thing about our shepherd, our shepherd is not a hired hand. In John 10, Jesus tells about the problem with hired hands. This is what he says in John 10, 12 and 13. Jesus said, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Simply put, guys, Jesus is not a hired hand. Jesus is a shepherd who actually cares for his sheep. He delights in his sheep. Can you believe this? Jesus enjoys his sheep. He loves being with his sheep. A third thing about our shepherd. Our shepherd knows how and where to lead us. You and I can't see the future, but Jesus does see the future. You and I don't know the danger ahead, but Jesus does know the danger ahead. You and I don't always have our heads on straight, but Jesus always sees things clearly. And that is why he always knows where to lead us. But he also knows how to lead us. Sometimes he leads us more gently and softly, and then sometimes you and I need a nice kick in the butt. Sometimes Jesus disciplines us, but then sometimes he comforts us. 
He knows where He's leading us, and He knows exactly how to lead us. And then a fourth thing about our shepherd, most importantly this morning. Our shepherd laid down His life for us. That you and I, we had wandered off. All we, like sheep, had gone astray. We had turned away from God's good care. We had stepped outside of God's loving boundaries, broken His law, foolishly thought that we could live our own way. And if God had wanted to, He could have left us astray and He would have been totally right to do that. But what we celebrate at Christmas is that Jesus came, yes, to be born, yes, to live, but most especially to die, to be the Lamb of God who would take our sins upon Himself and as our good shepherd lay down His life that we might be brought back into the fold again. This is the good shepherd who not only laid down His life, but did it willingly because He loves us. Guys, we don't have to live as orphans in this world. Christ is both the shepherd who understands us completely because He became one of us, and He is our good shepherd who can totally, perfectly look after our lives because He is very God of very God. And that's why finally this morning, if this is who Jesus is, Christ is a king who deserves to be worshipped. Christ is a king who deserves to be worshipped. Uh, we'll start in verses 7 through 10. We're going to kind of work through the last little section of this passage. Verses 7 through 10 say, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, the first thing I want you to notice is the star. Now, there might be some mystery around the star, but, but here's at least two things we know. One is that God is the one who is uh, leading the star along, and that by leading the star along, secondly, God himself is the one who, who is leading these wise men from the east to come and worship Jesus. Now, again, in verse 9, I want to draw your attention to the fact that Matthew gives us another behold. He says, hey, here's another thing that you really need to pay attention to. Here's another thing that I want you to see. This is amazing. And why is it that Matthew gives us this behold? Well, think about it, guys. The first commandment of the Ten Commandments is that you shall have no other God before me. This God of the Bible is a self-proclaimed, jealous God. This is the God who, according to Isaiah 42, says, My glory I give to no other. And yet, God himself is leading these men to come and worship Jesus. Why? Why would he do this? Well, only because Jesus himself is God. That's the only way this makes sense. The only way that it would make sense for God to lead other people to come and worship Jesus is if Jesus himself is God. And Matthew is saying, hello, don't miss this. The little baby who they've come to worship, who can't even talk to them, 
the little baby who they could have passed around in their hands back and forth. This little baby who is fully blooded and fleshed, he is himself God. And so here's what I'm trying to say this morning. You and I needed an interruption in our lives. We needed someone to come and rescue us. And the interruption that has arrived into this world is God himself. Jesus Christ came into this world and broke through to interrupt our sin, to interrupt our weariness, to interrupt our path on the way to judgment. It is God himself who has come for us. And then led by God to Jesus, who is God, we see one of the most pure acts of worship I think the world has ever seen in verse 11. It says, In going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. The child. They saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. This boy who couldn't even talk, who wasn't rich, who was dependent on his mother. <laughs> no offense to Mary, but when they walk in the door, it's not her who they're there for. Jesus. They fall down before him and worship him. Uh, we've developed a little unspoken tradition in our family now, after a few years, on July 4th, uh, it seems like for the last, I don't know, four, five years, every year on July 4th, we tell each other, you know, let's just lay low this year, not leave, stay in the house. There's plenty of fireworks and stuff in the neighborhood. We'll just look at it through the window. And every year, somehow, we end up in the car. The fireworks start going off. The excitement level rises. We now have children in the house, and it's just the swell happens. And now we've hopped off the couch, PJ's on, in the car, and we are driving around like, like mad people with our heads out the windows, you know, trying to catch these fireworks. Uh, some years, we, you know, we found it. Some years, we haven't. I think we ended up at the beach one year, Broadway one year, uh, whatever. In the excitement, right, the chase is on, and we, we go after it. These men from the east, they chased Jesus so far. And for what? Did they leave with anything? Did they cash anything in? No. They came running after Jesus simply to worship him. They're teaching us this morning who the real treasure of life is. So, this year, it's the last Sunday of the year, by the way, if you didn't know. Looking ahead to 2023, what if we just took whatever goals and resolutions we're planning to make for 2023 and just ripped them in half? And what if over 2023, we just wrote, Chase Jesus? And it was just single pursuit. Why? Because he deserves it. He's worth it. 
And then I love how when they get there and they bow before him, they reach into their treasures and they give him their best. Costly, beautiful, meaningful items offered to this king. And so, one more time, I just want to speak, uh, especially to our young folks in the room, kids and, and young people. Maybe you see these wise men giving Jesus gold, frankincense, myrrh, these, these special valuable things, and you think, you know, what do I have to give? I don't own anything. I don't have anything. Well, this morning, you actually have the thing that's most important, and that is your heart. This morning, you can give Jesus your heart, and, and this is what's so cool about it. When you give Jesus your heart, then it becomes so much easier to give him everything else. But see, if we're stingy with Jesus when we don't really have anything, then we'll continue to be stingy with Jesus when we get more and more and more. But if we give Jesus our hearts, then giving him everything is just makes sense to us. It, it flows naturally out of our lives. So you may not have one cent. You may not have one thing that you feel like you can give Jesus. But if you give him your heart, really, you've given him everything. And then the last thing this morning, in light of these wise men from the East who came to worship Jesus, I want to encourage you all today, um, find a moment, a quiet moment, uh, a solitary moment, and I want to encourage you to actually uh, bow down on your knees Get low on the ground and worship your king. These, these wise men, this wasn't an act. This wasn't a performance. This isn't just a cute thing we watch on a, on a play. Their hearts were so moved by their king that they fell down before him to worship him. So I want to invite you to do that at some point today. And then consider, consider making that sort of kneeling, bowing prayer a regular part of your life. To humble yourself down before King Jesus and offer yourself up to Him and pour your heart out to Him. So, here's the question. Jesus, He's interrupted this world. The world has never been the same since and it will never be the same. Will we see Jesus as an intruding interruption or will we receive him as a welcome interruption? Will Jesus be a threat to us, a challenge to our control? Or in light of who this wonderful shepherd is who has laid down his life for us, will we in return offer up everything we have to him? Let's pray. Jesus, you are the king that we need, but you're also the king who, in our sin, we fight so hard against. And so this, this Christmas morning, we've heard your call to offer ourselves up. We've heard your call to give everything we have to you. But Jesus, we confess that we need you to soften our hearts, to break our hearts. We need you 
to lead us to worship you this morning. And so we ask, we beg, we plead that these stories about you this season, it wouldn't just pass and go without deeply affecting us. Would you show up in power in our lives? Would you cause us to wrestle in our hearts so that truly, 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 you would become the treasure of our life? We love you, Lord. We thank you for coming for us. Thank you, Jesus, for interrupting our darkness, for shining your light into our lives. Give us a heart to welcome you, to love you, to receive you with joy. It's in Jesus' name that we worship and pray.